who polices prison cells? It's a question I never thought I'd have to ask. Well, one would hope the police, because they're paid to. You, you would think so. But what happens when the police are also the perpetrator? What happens then? Right. So once you've been arrested, you're at your most vulnerable. You've had many of your rights re- removed. Mm. You're now under someone else's authority, backed by the state. And to a large extent, you're helpless. So let me tell you this story. Have you ever been arrested? No, I got threatened with arrest last year at Conservative Party Conference. So that's the closest I got. Was that by that officer? Yes, the was... one PC plot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, m- I remember that. Yeah, yeah. You were asking someone a question. Yes. And the... he overheard the word insidious and threatened yeah. me with the arrest of the Public Order Act of I think, 1986. Yeah, yeah. No, Fraser. Um, a few months ago, if we can bring up the link, um, a few months ago, uh, yeah, that one, um, I was got back on Twitter. Right. So I'd missed this for a year. Got back on Twitter and I saw some tweets by this lady called um, Zana Iman claiming she was raped in a Salford police station in Greater Manchester. And straight away I thought, that's not true. She's mental. It's unbelievable. There's more to it than that. And I just passed it. Saw some more tweets and basically ignored them because I thought, that's not true. No point spending time on that. And then she must have found out I'm standing for mayor of Greater Manchester and she reached out and says, Hi, Nick, would you like to see some of the information I've got? And I thought, well, because I've dismissed it, I better go see the information. So we met up. And it turns out she's a very nice lady. Not mental, as far as I could tell. Um, Very articulate, very intelligent. And she told me her story, which was shocking. And then backed it all up with the evidence that I sat in a coffee bar, three hours going through the evidence, whether that she's collated over two and a half years. So let me tell you her story and then jump in with questions along the way. So it was February 2021 during lockdown. She was struggling at home um, in Salford, living on her own. And one night she was taking cocaine. Her friend phoned her, realized she was distressed, wasn't happy with what she was saying and decided to phone the police. Um, and expressed his concern about what she was saying, and he's worried about her. So a welfare check. Welfare check. Right. Um, what a friend should do if he's worried about you. And like I say, well, look, it was a mental time a couple of years ago during COVID. We, we tend to forget now, you know, isolated, no one to talk to. Police turned up at the house. Um, entered the house, um, tried to calm her down, trying to speak to her, and she, on purpose, blushed, the female police officer's face and knocked her glasses off. It was assault. Minor assault, but assault. Yes. And she was arrested. Up to that point, I've got no problems with any of this up to now. Welfare check, on cocaine, which shouldn't have been, and assaulted the police officer. Yeah. Got arrested. Yes. Not got a problem with any of that. Then it all starts looking suspicious. So then she's put in the back of her van. Google Maps says it's seven minutes from her house to Pendleton Police Station. And it took, well, from being arrested to then turning up on video at the police station was an hour and a half. So why did they sit her in the back of the van for 90 minutes? We don't know. Was she waiting in custody for an hour and a half with the custody sergeant? They can't answer this question and we don't know, but she disappears for one and a half hours. She then appears at the um, prison cell. She's in custody. Um, Zana has spent years 
gaining the information and putting in the quest for the footage. So she's got a lot of this footage, which I viewed. Um, she's in the cell. She's, she's carried in unconscious by five female police officers who look female. I don't know if they're all female these days. So does she not remember no. the cause? Right, okay. No, she, she remembers being arrested. And she, I think she remembers getting in the van. Nothing after that. Did she overdose or did she just pass out? Uh, passed out. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the female officers, five of them strip her naked in the cell, put some shorts on her. Right. And leave her topless, naked, with shorts on, in her cell. Unconscious, lying on, her, lying on her front. Why? All on video. All on video. So the police have said that they took her clothes off her and searched her because they weren't sure what she was carrying. Right, so it could have been either a weapon or extra drugs, or they thought that she may have been a, somehow a suicide risk. Or yes, like that. yeah. So, so right. again... That doesn't look nice. But, but no, no excuse to leave a topless. But again, I can understand it. As in, if she'd have had drugs concealed on her, they already knew she'd taken drugs. Yes. She's got drugs concealed on her. And then she takes them in the station and ODs. We'd be having a different conversation today about yeah. incompetence of the police, letting the vulnerable woman kill herself. But if they, so they stripped her off, but did they strip search her? It's hard to tell from the video, but they must okay. have searched her, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. But she's left there with just a pair of boxer shorts on, basically. Right. In the cell. Um, the video shows her, when she's, when she's awake, quite calm, sat with a blanket wrapped round her, knees to her chest, as you, was, as you would imagine someone who's distressed, but quite calm, probably thinking to herself, what the hell am I doing here? How did I get here? Not causing a problem, not screaming, shouting. Then there's, a, there's breaks in the video. One hour goes missing, two hours goes missing of the video footage that she cannot get. And then when she appears again in the cell, she's now distressed. She's walking around. She, she looks erratic. At one point, there's, it looks like blood dripping from the top of her leg. So it's not water. It's dark liquid dropping from the top, dripping from the top of her leg. Is that blood? We don't know. The police then are worried about her and take her to a mental health unit. When she's at the mental health unit being examined, she thinks she says the word rape. They then kick in their protocol and take her to the rape centre hospital next door at St. Mary's. So, so when, you, when you say she thinks she said, yeah. did she tell you she did say that or can she not remember what she said and this is on video slash written down somewhere? No, she thinks she remembers saying rape. Right. Okay. Because again, she's she, she's semi-unconscious. She's on drugs. She thinks she says rape. Right. And then she remembers them taking her to the rape crisis center, right. um, which is based in the hospital. There, they examine her. Right. They find uh, vaginal bleeding and anal bleeding. Right. So injuries consistent with okay. with, with rape. Um, they then she's then released. After 40 hours, she's in police custody for 40 hours. She's then released. <clears throat> and then she has flashbacks and she's thinking to herself, Something, something's gone on here. You know, I'm sore in parts. I shouldn't be sore. Um, I remember being naked. 
I remember a police officer in the station talking to me about anal sex. She has flashbacks of an officer asking her questions about anal sex. Um, and she's thinking, oh, and so she then turns into an investigator, a detective. So she spends two and a half years writing to the police, putting in formal complaints and requesting evidence. She starts requesting the video footage of the body cameras of the officers who arrested her. She gets some of it. She gets it that shows her assaulting the police officer. I've watched that video. She gets it from the prison cell. She has something like 10, 12, 15 hours of her in the prison cell, apart from a couple of hours that have gone missing. Right. She then writes to um, the mayor of Greater Manchester, the Victims Commissioner. She puts more formal complaints into GMP, getting nowhere. Then Sky News picks her up and has a conversation with her. And if we can have the next type, so that's Pendleton Police Station. That's where they, they took her to. And if we have the next one. So Sky News interviewer and do a one-hour interview with her and cover her story. Um, things change. Her by herself could not get any traction, could not get anyone to look at this case. We've got to a stage in our country now that if you want justice, you have to get the mainstream press involved to open the doors for you. Never thought I'd have to say that. And we criticize Sky News all the time. But if it wasn't for Sky News, this still would be only on Twitter. One woman crying out for help. And most people, including myself, thinking, unbelievable, she's mental. But Sky see all the evidence. Um, she then shows me the letters she wrote to the Mary Greater Manchester. Right. To Andy Burnham. She writes him a letter. She gets a letter back. Right. Um, standard cut and paste. Uh, the police are investigating the police. Nothing we can do. Right. So they're allowed to mark their own homework mark despite the not being able to provide the crucial hours of CCTV footage or the body cam. Or, okay. Yeah. She then writes to the victim's commissioner. She gets a standard reply back from that. Oh, thank you for your letter. GMP are investigating this. Nothing from them either. Right. So Sky News then forces Andy Burnham's hand, the Mary Greater Manchester. He then requests an independent review into this. So who does he get? He gets the Labour dame, who's actually the victim's commissioner. Right. Both of them on TV going, we've never heard of this case. I've seen the letters Zana wrote to them. I've seen the replies their office wrote back to her. But that's the point. The office wrote the replies, yes. and so yeah. they don't actually care about the people they're purporting to serve. Yeah. So people at the head of those departments can say, I never saw any letter. Yeah. Well, of course you didn't. You don't open your own mail. But surely when you get such a complaint like that, surely someone should be raising that with you, not Sky News. Yeah, at best, your office staff are utterly incompetent. At worst, you didn't care. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Sky News, I've asked police questions. So the responses from the police now are, those hours of footage that are missing, the disc's been corrupted. Oh, right. So it's just the Epstein excuse. Yeah, and the master has now been re-recorded over because it's been two and a half years. She's been asking for it yeah. for two and a half years. You've never once said to her the disc's been corrupted. You've always just not answered the request for it or sent her duplicates of another hour she's already got. You've never said to her those, that those discs don't exist anymore now because they existed at the time when she wanted them. The shorts that they placed on her that may contain DNA evidence missing. Right. We don't know where those shorts are. Right. So this 
has gone from incompetence to potentially a cover-up to police corruption. I don't know what's gone on here. All I know for fact is something's happened to her. I don't know what it is, and I don't want to jump to conclusions. Something has happened to Zayna. I don't know what it is. The only people who can who can prove she's a liar mm. or prove nothing happened are the police. And they're the ones who have weirdly dispensed with all of the evidence that you would think would acquit them if they didn't do something. And you think they'd want to. Yes. You think they would want to be able to say to her, you're a liar. Here's all the video footage. Here are the shots. You're, you're just a fantasist. Or maybe you're confused. You took drugs. You're confused. And that would have been a great response yeah. and probably an appropriate response if they could approve all that. But with this missing, it leads doubt and it leads that accusation of corruption and cover-up because what happened to her in that cell? Now, we have police video, police officers now in this country wear body videos. The, every police station is videoed. When you're interviewed under caution, it's videoed. Every police cell has a video in it. The corridors in police stations and the custody desk all have videos in it. Well, presumably the police vans would also have interior cameras. I'm not sure if they do or not. I, I, I don't know. But the officers who take her in the van or go in the van with her should have body-worn cameras. So the police have videos for one reason, one reason only. What is that reason? Do you know? I would assume so that if they're brought up on, on charges of misconduct, they can then acquit themselves. That's the only reason why we have police video. It's not to protect you. Yes. It's to protect police officers. Yes. And to be fair, sometimes they do need protecting because when I was running Manchester City Centre, we had an issue of Roma women in the city centre who were um, pickpocketing, stealing from shops. And they made it known to police officers that if you arrest me, I'm going to rub my fingers inside my knickers and I'm going to rub those juices on your hands and on your jacket. And at the station, I'm going to cry rape. Every male officer in the city centre was terrified, thinking, I don't want that on my record. Even if I'm proving nothing, it's still on your record that you had accusations against you know, a woman. And, and police officers then, it worked for a tiny bit. Male officers were going, I'm not getting involved in this until the top brass went, don't worry about it. We've recorded it. We're looking into this and we started arresting Roma women again. So these things do happen and officers need to be careful. Hence why we have video footage. But the video footage, you need to protect the officer when it goes missing on the hours you're saying something's happened. Surely alarm bells must ring there. Well, yeah, because if you're recording all of your interactions for the express purpose of acquitting yourself if something has gone wrong, then the existence of the video footage is an asset to you. So the only reason you would scrub it if it's, is if it is a liability because something did in fact happen. And my concern would be, okay, then how can you bring lots of different people from different departments who handle different things in unless, one, it was a senior officer who has some weight, or two, it was more than one officer, so each has leverage on one another but those are the and and this is the kind of speculation gets driven when there is no transparency because you're unwilling to and have actively destroyed the evidence that might otherwise acquit you exactly and let's say it was one piece of incompetence or just one dodgy disc right we're not just looking at one piece of evidence that's gone yes. missing there is several sections not consecutive sec not consecutive sections that have gone missing there's the shorts that have gone missing She's got copies of the custody log. 
So the custody log is a written record of everything that happens to you the second you enter that station, to the second you leave that station, full of inaccuracies. So just simple mistakes like officer went to visit her at such and such a time. Then you look at the video, it's an hour and a half out, not five minutes out where the officer roughly guessed what time he went in. I can accept that, but an hour and a half out. Or officer went to see her. Then you see the videotape, four officers are in the cell. It's just the video, the, the custody log is full of inaccuracies, and that should be gospel. That should be everything that happens there. That's a complete shambles. The fact that that's wrong and the shorts go missing and the video footage goes missing as well shows that it's different departments, different people should be handling that information to stop the centralization of power, which could lead to one bad actor scrubbing all of that at once. So why are multiple people potentially covering this up? Like, who is involved? The serious exactly. question. Exactly. So when she wrote to Andy Byrne and Mary Gred to Manchester and he wrote back going, oh, the police investigated, nothing I can do. That was a time two and a half years ago where that evidence could have been found, yes. could have been um, grabbed and put safe. Senior officer put in charge of that. This is, this is a serious accusation. Nothing was done. Only when Sky News got involved did the mayor actually act because it damages his PR. And what people don't understand is the mayor of Greater Manchester is also the police crime commissioner. He has both those roles. He's in charge. He's responsible for the police. He has allowed this to happen on his watch and not followed up when mistakes are made. Now, again, I don't know what's happened to Zana, but what I do know is anybody else I know would have given up by now. She's been fighting for this for two and a half years. She's got reports from the mental health nurse who examined her, from the rape crisis center, from the custody log to all the videos. She spent two and a half years putting in requests for information and getting it. She's put this case together. Absolutely amazing what she's done. Most people would have given up after the first complaint and got nowhere. You just would have walked away. She hasn't. This needs looking at. So let's end with what with Zana and, and her words. I've been gaslit. I've been stonewalled. And I, as a last resort, I waived my right to anonymity. And that wasn't easy. I believe over 30 months later, you've more or less destroyed my forensic opportunities, haven't you? You've left it too late. I've been failed by the entire police complaints procedure. And in my opinion, it's not fit for purpose. Now, this is my deep frustration with the Sarah Everard case as well, because a bunch of political opportunists jumped upon it as an example to indict all men and toxic masculinity and rape culture and all of these nonsensical buzzwords rather than looking at the actual issue, which is the ability for the police to cover up for their own crimes in their midst when, when the likes of Wayne Cousins was nicknamed the rapist, was known to have had infractions by flashing people. And then you also get the fact that the police hiring and, and disciplinary standards have slipped. I mean, it's, it's even something as simple as, so I, I know people that have worked on police bases just doing the engineering work and like and they've spoken to police officers and they said, these new recruits, they don't, um, they don't march silently straight up anymore. They, they, they laugh and joke and elbow each other when they're receiving their accolades and they're graduating because they have no respect for the institution. And if you don't command that respect for the institution, you attract the exact kind of wrong people who are instead attracted to the power, status, and immunity conferred on you 
by the institution rather than looking to protect and serve. So you will have awful people that enter the police. You, you can never fully stop that. All you can do is have a culture of transparency and accountability that can weed them out when something goes wrong. But if all you do is cover up their abhorrent crimes, which it looks plausible in this case has happened, mm. then you're just going to encourage that behavior and let the most vulnerable people down. Two things there. First of all, I agree with you. This is about recruitment. But over the last 60 years, we've lowered recruitment in the police to attract more women, more ethnic minorities, more, more box ticking. We've had to lower recruitment standards. Uh, but Bad Apple's always got in. And the second thing we've done now, it, it, you're right, is to cover up. It's the reputation of this organization is more important than justice. And you can say that about many, many organi- private organizations and public institutions. It's always about the reputation because that reflects, a poor reputation reflects badly on senior management who are always looking for promotion, always looking for their MBE and their knighthood, and they don't want this sort of scandal. So let's just cover it up and carry on. We need a big light shining on these institutions and saying to people, we're going to find some disgusting things here and we're going to take a hit on the reputation. But that's fine if we clean it up once we've discovered it. But stop the cover-ups. That's what we need to do.